Canada's state broadcaster touts electric vehicles as the best vehicle in frigid temperatures, all the while Alberta deals with extreme cold. The founder of the World Economic Forum says China's premier's presence at this year's annual conference can help, quote, rebuild global trust. Is Toronto a, quote, no-fun city? One city councillor seems to think so after the city banned tobogganing from 45 hills across the city. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, January 16th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Isaac Lamaru. And I'm Harrison Faulkner. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. As Albertans deal with an unprecedented cold snap that resulted in the Alberta Emergency Management Agency issuing a province-wide emergency alert, Canada's state broadcaster is touting electric vehicles as, quote, the best vehicle in frigid temperatures. On Saturday, the Alberta Emergency Management Agency issued an alert, warning residents that the extreme cold had resulted in high power demand and placed the province's grid at high risk of rotating power outages. The Alberta Electric System operator declared a grid alert due to extreme cold and several power facility outages at 8 a.m. on Saturday. The emergency alert sent to Albertans' mobile devices throughout the province asked Albertans to limit their electricity use to essential needs only. Despite the warning, the CBC published an article on Saturday titled, Electric Cars, the Best Vehicle in Frigid Temperature, Saskatchewan Advocates Say. EVs have a track record of unreliability in colder temperatures. Even CBC's cited experts said that the range of EVs go from 500 kilometers to 300 kilometers on cold winter days, a 40% decrease in range. True North previously reported that temperatures below only minus 6.7 degrees Celsius can cut an EV battery's capacity by up to 41%. Further, True North previously reported that electric vehicles have 79% more problems than gas vehicles, even in warm weather. Alberta saw temperatures nearing minus 50 degrees Celsius over the past week. CBC's article touting EVs during the province's near failure of its electrical grid system led to disbelief from residents and users online, including Conservative House Leader Andrew Scheer, and Alberta's Minister of Energy, Brian Jean. Harrison, what is the CBC thinking? Are are they that desperate to push their green agenda even while Alberta struggles with extreme cold? Well, Isaac, I think it's pretty clear here that the CBC got their marching orders from the Liberal government when all of this started to happen. To publish an article like this, when Albertans were told to shut off their electrical usage to try and save the grid from going out, is just absurd, but clearly it's all in line with this push to mandate electric vehicles, to try and promote electric vehicles, even when every Albertan knows that an electric vehicle in the winter under these temperatures is simply not possible. It's absurd, but that makes me believe that really they don't even believe what they're writing here. They simply just got their marching orders and were told to put out their typical CBC propaganda. Nothing else here that makes any other sense other than just marching orders and propaganda. Yeah, it's funny, Harrison. Obviously, I live in Alberta and uh, on the emergency alert itself, it said, please don't plug in electric vehicles. (laughs) So I found that funny. Uh, Would you ever purchase uh, an electric vehicle? Well, the only time I'd ever purchase an electric vehicle, Isaac, is if there was no other choice. And it looks as though by 2035 or so, or around that time, 
they're going to make it so that we don't have a choice. We'll only be able to buy an electric vehicle. As of right now, uh, I'm, I'm staying very clear of electric vehicles. We have winter driving to deal with. I don't want any business of an electric vehicle in harsh winter conditions where the range is unreliable, the technology is not necessarily where it needs to be. And in Canada, we just don't have the infrastructure to have the electric vehicle chargers where they need to be. Good luck trying to sell that to the rest of Canada, let alone in Ontario, where it's already quite dense. Even still, there's just not enough electric vehicle chargers to make winter driving with an electric vehicle reliable. This year's theme guiding the World Economic Forum Summit is Rebuilding Trust, and the founder of the annual meeting of global leaders says China will play a critical role. In a recent interview with the Chinese state media outlet CGTN, Klaus Schwab said that the participation of Chinese Premier Li Chang is critical to the conference. I think it's very, very important. Um, the participation of Premier Li Chang could exactly be placed into this framework of rebuilding trust, because, um, as you know, um, uh, there are many doubts at the moment whether China really could master all those challenges or is at the beginning of a fast slowing down phase of its economic growth. So to hear uh, Premier Li Chang um, speaking about the prospects of Chinese economy and the role China will play inside the global economy, I think uh, can restore and rebuild to a large extent, not only growth into China, but growth into our global uh, system. WEF Managing Director Gim Hui Nyo also told CGTN that the organization was confident that the Chinese government was critical to addressing global challenges. Li, one of the highest ranking officials in attendance at the WEF 2024 summit, joins the likes of French President Emmanuel Macron in addressing the gathering of global leaders. China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs revealed that Li received a personal invitation from Schwab to attend the forum. The Premier will also make official visits to Switzerland and Ireland during the same week. All right, Isaac, so how is the WEF supposed to, quote, rebuild trust when they're cozying up to the Communist Party of China? We already know just how belligerent China is. Canadians are well aware of what happened when Canada arrested Meng Wanzhou, China's response by arresting the two Michaels, and of course, the well-reported evidence of serious election interference. So how exactly does the WEF expect to rebuild trust by inviting the CCP? Yeah, Harrison, I found rebuilding trust interesting because that implies that, of course, there was trust there to begin with. And while I don't know that people distrusted the WEF in the past, I wouldn't say that they necessarily trusted them. Uh, I think that people were frankly indifferent or even unaware of the WEF in the past, but in my opinion, the more society has learned of the WEF and their, I guess, beliefs, like the quote, the famous quote, you will own nothing and be happy, the less they have began to trust them. And as you know, this is an unelected superpower, so it's, it's this isn't like a democratic organization, which would be a way for people to earn trust. But I'm curious, Harrison, how you think 
China plays a role in rebuilding trust because cer- certainly the first thing for me that comes to mind when I think about China isn't trust, it's communism. And out of curiosity, uh, I looked up the list of most trusted countries because I didn't assume that China would be high on it. The first link that popped up, which was usnews.com, had China at number 64. So Harrison, how do you think uh, China could possibly play a, a, a reasonable role in re- rebuilding global trust? I'm not even quite sure if China even cares about rebuilding global trust. It appears to me that China simply just want to want to be invited to the table and want to be seen alongside the WEF and be at the same events and at the same meetings as these other Western global leaders. That appears to be what I think they're trying to do here. And of course, China is simply just trying to get the best result for their country at the expense of everyone else, even some of their own residents, some of their own citizens. So again, I mean, they don't even necessarily care because as you pointed out, they're not elected. They don't have to face the people. They are a permanent government. They are a communist government. And, you know, signing up alongside the WEF, who believe that who believe that the people will own nothing and be happy, kind of fits perfectly in line with the CCP's communist beliefs. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Tobogganing has been banned from 45 hills across the city of Toronto over safety concerns, despite the outcry from some residents, including one city councillor who said the city has more pressing issues which it could be devoting its resources to. Brad Bradford, a city councillor who represents Breaches East York, said that residents are capable of managing their own risk assessment when it comes to tobogganing. Bradford said that the decision adds to the reputation of Toronto becoming a quote, no-fun city that negates the needs of families. Among the hills affected by the ban is East Lynn Park on Danforth Avenue near Woodbine Avenue, a park located in Bradford's ward. It has long since been a popular destination for tobogganers. Now the top of the hill has signs prohibiting people from making the most of the hill. Bradford believes the city can find a more thoughtful approach to protecting the city from lawsuits. Regarding the 45 hills where tobogganing is banned, the city noted that, quote, this value is dynamic and may change year over year depending on site conditions. Toronto implemented a Toboggan Hill inspection program in 2017. Harrison, you live in Toronto. Is cracking down on tobogganing on hills really a top priority for Toronto residents? Well, Isaac, what's that old adage? You get what you vote for? Uh, Toronto residents are certainly getting what they voted for here with Olivia Chow. Remember, Olivia Chow won the race by dominating almost everybody else in the uh, mayoral election. And what do you, whatever you want to call this, nanny state, big government, uh, this is basically just right out of the socialist playbook. A city government believing that they have the right to tell parents and children in their city where they can toboggan on hills. They don't have that right, but they've just given it to themselves. And it's no surprise that they started this Toboggan Hill inspection program in 2017. Talk about big government. The idea that you can just decide, well, this is something that everybody's been doing forever in this country. Well, we're now going to just decide what hills are safe for you and your families to go into bogganing. 
This is supposed to be up to the parents. This is not supposed to be up to the government. But somewhere along the process, the city of Toronto gave themselves the power to decide what you can do on your own spare time. It's ridiculous. But again, this is exactly in line with basically everything else Olivia Chow has been doing. Socialism, big government, nanny state, Torontonians should expect nothing less. And speaking of Olivia Chow, didn't she just raise taxes and give herself a raise? Is this what Toronto residents are paying for? Well, it appears so. In the proposed budget, so it's not official yet, but it's a proposed budget, there is going to be a 10.5% hike on property taxes, as if Torontonians don't pay enough taxes already. Not to mention, Isaac, this is in line with also consistent calls from Olivia Chow to beg for money from the province and the federal government. So again, she's going to spike taxes on Torontonians who already paid too much money to taxes, and she's going to keep begging for the province and the feds to give them more cash. It's exactly what, like I said before, it's exactly what should have been expected when Torontonians went to go vote. Olivia Chow isn't surprising anyone with these high-tax, big-government measures. She's just simply following the playbook. That's it for today, folks. Make sure to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Also, please keep an eye out for the Andrew Lawton Show from the WEF conference later today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Bye.